this jelly. I'm just ready for this jelly. For this jelly? Is that is that really the lyrics to that song? Yeah, I, I think so. No. It, uh, I don't know. Is it? I don't think you're ready for this. Oh, come on. I... My body too boo delicious for me, babe. Isn't that what they say? I don't know. I don't even know who sings that. <laughs> okay. Sorry, is that is that a bad thing? That just means you're not a true 90s kid. Uh, okay. I mean, okay. I was born in the 80s, technically. Oh, I could look up the meaning behind the lyrics. Oh, that'll be even better. Yeah, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Okay. Okay, I'm... so what the hell does jelly mean? Since you're I'm not going to look up the whole meaning right now. <laughs> in love, in love with movies, in love, in, in, in. All right, then. Well, welcome back, movie lovers. <laughs> We're a little slap happy uh, recording later than usual. I hope everyone will forgive us for the late nature of this episode coming out. I know you all were waiting on pins and needles at exactly 1159 at uh, Tuesday morning. Hey, we have at least three to five fans that are curious about what's going on. Thank you, three people. <laughs> hey, Paul. <laughs> um yeah we had a little bit of a recording snafu so we had recorded half our episode and then lost <sighs> all of it and that sent me into a bit of a tailspin and we had to take a few days before we could record again yeah but we're here we're so back let's just do it you know what i'm saying so what are we talking about and uh actually danielle but why don't, before we get to that we should probably introduce ourselves uh, my name's nick <laughs> i'm danny and this is in love with movies you know guys i actually wrote i literally wrote down on the page the order of our podcast because we keep forgetting it we're bad at we didn't this. even look at it see oh i didn't write intro so that's why yep that's why it's all your fault okay you well, didn't write down we have to like actually introduce ourselves yeah yeah. Next time. And we usually have a little bit of like, you know, silly vamping that happens before we we actually get to the the, you know, talking about what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, what are we talking about today, Dan? Uh today our love topic is the love language. Five love languages. The love language. The love languages. The blessing. That's a different movie. <laughs> um yeah, we're going to talk about the the love language. Why can't I say what it is? Yeah, so movie lovers, if this is the first time that you're finding us, this is the In Love With Movies podcast where we discuss love topics. And, and movie topics. And then we talk about a movie that's important to one of us or our guests when we have them. Uh, but yeah, so we are a young married couple and we are not experts by any means in this field. Uh, but we kind of just talk about our journey and our opinions about love. Yeah. So we're going to talk about love through love languages. Love through love languages. Love, that's the topic. Yeah. And so what are the love languages, the five love Ooh, languages? Let's see if I can do it from memory. Ooh, this okay. will be good. Gifts, words of affirmation. Okay. So I, I quality don't. Quality time. I, uh -huh. Hey, I'm Go going. <laughs> Physical touch. And I always forget the fifth one. Positivity or something. I don't know. What was the what's the last one? <laughs> say it. I think if I was listening to you correctly, because I was yeah. admittedly trying to bring this up. Okay. Did you say acts of service? That's the one. And that's why I'm giggling, because whose love language is that? <laughs> uh, how are we married? I don't know. So 
I, I, when I apologize, what I was actually trying to ask is what you, maybe you could explain to the listener, not what the five love languages are in terms of what the five are, but it, like, what, what are they? What is the reason for them? What are the love languages in general? What's the idea? Yeah. There? So it's a book by this guy, Gary uh, Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman. Yep. I think he's a Christian uh, therapist or something. Uh, I don't know if he's Christian or not. Don't uh, maybe. maybe. I, I thought know. it was through religion and Christianity. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It it really is a groundbreaking topic that I had never heard of. So the five love languages are basically how you feel love and then the way that you express love to others. And so there are five of them, and each person has like their top one, two, three, and that's how they feel love. So they talk a lot about um, how relationships that don't work out, it's because someone is trying to love their partner through their own love language and not the way that their partner's love language is. <laughs> Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. I, th I think it did. So go ahead. Well, I, I, I felt a need to give a, an additional sort of disclaimer on this particular topic. Okay. Uh, especially because it's just one that um, I don't want to at any point sound like, again, that we are experts. Clearly. Uh, and there's literally uh, a book about this exact topic. And it is a topic uh, that is used a lot of times in relationship therapy, marriage therapy, things of that nature. And the only reason we are talking about it really is because it actually has helped us to communicate. We think it can be very beneficial and useful. Um, and we're, we thought we would share some of our stories about that. But if you are piqued in your curiosity of this topic, I strongly encourage you to go look up Dr. Gary Chapman and his five love languages uh, books. There are plural books. There was obviously the original, and then there's like the short version, and then there's the version for guys, and then there's the version <laughs> for girls that he had his wife help him write, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, version for teens. And if you go to their website, you can take the quiz, and they've now got like are you looking for love in your partnership or are you looking for love in et cetera, other things? Like it's, it's a whole other world of things. Um, I will try not to nerd out too much about my questions on the psychometric properties uh, of this test go. or not, but uh, it, regardless of those things, it can be a very beneficial tool, I think, for starting conversations, which is one of the most important things we have found in relationships to be uh, useful. Yes. And I want to say that I, I don't think this only applies to like married or romantic relationships. I think that like knowing your friend's love language can make you a better friend as well. I completely agree. And in fact, uh, I have a student who is looking to maybe utilize uh, the five, I uh, forget what Dr. Chapman calls it. Uh, th they created basically the five love languages for the workplace, uh, but and not really necessarily love. I think they use some other phrasing, uh, but it's like, you know, how do you show appreciation for coworkers and things of that nature? And I think that that idea can be very beneficial. Uh, and I'd have to look up what those things are. I know that physical touch essentially got replaced by something else in the other. Oh, that would actually make correct. a lot of sense. Because, right, yeah. yeah you, know. you don't want your boss physically touching you. Yeah, not, not really appropriate for the workplace to have physical touch be the thing that you show appreciation through. Yeah, so Nick and I listened to this book uh like we road tripped a lot back in the day when you could leave your house <laughs> hey! um we listened to this book on audiobook and we were like oh i think that's me we like chose what love languages sounded like us based on the book but we never actually took the quiz so recently for this part oh did you take the quiz no i had not taken the quiz and i was actually going to ask you do you remember what you sort of thought yours works i thought that was one thing to be an interesting conversation for us to have would be what we thought it was and how much our yes. test results you know actually confirm that or not yes yeah, so what i was saying was oh, sorry okay oh, your love language should be listening to your wife <laughs> don't think that's an option <laughs> okay um that we took the quiz recently 
to do that to compare and contrast and to talk about it obviously on this podcast why do i have 50 different like accents today i don't know maybe uh you're just feeling all the different versions of yourself yeah okay so yeah we took the the um the quiz and we're gonna share our results with you and maybe it will inspire you all to go take it yourself and see how you and your partner do so out of curiosity then let's go back to the question i was asking like do you remember when we were first listening to this and we kind of were like because the book even says, you know, like you can probably figure out what your love language is if you pay attention to or start thinking about the things that you have uh, felt most love from your partner from uh, or the ways that you disc- dis- ah, display, mm-hmm. not destroy, display <laughs> love to your partner. Uh, and so what were the ones that you thought would be yours? I thought my top was going to be gift giving because I like when people give me gifts. <laughs> I like my Peloton. I like my kitty cat. Um that was a New York accent right You like there. getting gifts. You also like giving gifts. I that's, do. That's... I am obsessed with giving gifts. Yeah. That's why I like this holiday season. Ooh, baby, I gave a lot of gifts because it brings me joy to bring other people joy. So I definitely thought gift giving and then um, quality time because I just like when Nick's around me. Like, Oh, that's not fair. That doesn't count as quality time. Okay. Me just being around you. <laughs> well, I just like bringing you to things. So I thought it would re- translate into like, like when I was taking a yoga class, I'd rather take a yoga class with you, even though you... Oh, I didn't hate yoga in general. I, I hated yoga sculpt, but that's <laughs> you know, not neither here I nor there. The most. What did you think yours were? Um, if I recall correctly, when we first like watched or listened to the book and talked about things, uh, we went with uh, acts of service in terms of the way that I tend to try to show love, especially mm-hmm. uh, is through doing things for you, uh, doing dishes, uh, doing laundry, that, that, that sort of around the house stuff and that I often feel even stressed or feel like I'm not showing you enough love when I have not been able to keep up with sort of my around the house duties, uh, which is funny because uh, you don't usually care as much about it as I do. <laughs> At least you don't get as feeling unloved as I no. feel stressed out by not doing those things, which has helped me realize you communicate differently yeah and then, and then the second one was physical, physical touch which is a not surprisingly i think especially in western society for masculine gender roles which have been discussed ad nauseum on this podcast <laughs> um you know it's kind of assumed that men like physical touch although i do like that the books make a clear distinction between uh having sort of sexual intimacy and physical touch mm-hmm. and us even actually talking about that was something we realized uh, is not it, like it's not that I like sexual intimacy as my love language. It really is physical touch. Like I reach out for a hug. Uh, in fact, this year has been very difficult because talking about love outside of the partnership in terms of love between friends and things like I can't hug friends and family comfortably because of what's going on. And so. I hate hugs. Yeah, not, really very much like not people. your 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 love yeah, language. We're kind of opposite. So we took the quiz. Indeed. Drum roll. <laughs> what did we get? What'd you get, Danny? I don't know. I sent it to you. You sent it to me. Uh, I thought you wrote it down. Well, I will say the one thing this brings up is interesting for me. I actually ended up as we were getting ready for this podcast. I took this once. Mm-hmm. Thought I had managed to save my results as a PDF. Oh. Uh, did not. So then I had to retake the quiz. Man, and, this podcast was a hot mess. Oh, this episode was bad. I'm not going to lie. This episode was real rough <laughs> to get through. Uh, but the interesting thing to me is, although I definitely still ended up with correctly identifying and then 
uh, both times when I took the test, my highest one was acts of service. That is, is easily my uh, top. However, speaking about the psychometric properties and things like uh, you know, confirmation bias that may come into this uh, and the fact that there's some low reliability, I did not, I don't think I ended up getting the second, the same results as the rest because it gives you a percentage. Uh, and, and I think some of mine flipped, but the most recent time that I have the scores actually written down for, uh, physical touch was the case this time. I think quality uh, time or words of affirmation actually came up the last time. And I think words of affirmation came up the last time I had taken it because I had just been discussing some need for words of affirmation in therapy and in other places in my life, which made it more like mm, readily available as I was taking the quiz. Saying like what you need. Yeah, and, and just like not often getting, you know, unsolicited positive reinforcement. You're a very good looking human. Aw, you know that like physical appearance is very low in terms of my... <laughs> Your brain is big. Awesome. That's what I like to hear. So, <laughs> no, but uh, that, so that gets into the reliability and things, but I think it also gets into uh, maybe the, the first love language, you know, can maintain the case. But I think that it talks about where you are now maybe is almost more important than sort of it being a accurate measure of traits that you have. Cause really it's sort of about like what type of communication are you needing uh, at any given moment, which still therefore makes it a very useful tool. Yeah. And obviously my, uh, you know, need for uh, acts of service has not changed either. So in terms of your results, what did you end up getting Danny? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for writing these down for me. So I got quality time as my top and then acts of service as my second and then gifts was my third, which was a little shocking to me. And then words of affirmation and then touch, which also is weird, you know, as a comedian and like someone who likes to be in the spotlight, you would think that words of affirmation would mean more to me. But in real life, I think it's because I never believe what people tell me. If someone's like, you did a good job, I'm like, well, shut you bitch mouth whoa <laughs> i don't know why the b, bro the b word just got <laughs> dropped good thing we're an explicit podcast um yeah so quality time is my number one which it does make sense i like spending time like i love going on trips and you know yeah. just being with us and then acts of service is number two and i wonder if that's because you would do so many acts of service for me which just you know has pushed it up at the top of my list because i'm like oh that is how you show love it is and, and maybe it has pushed things up. And maybe that's why words of affirmation had pushed up on mine too at, at another attempt to do it. Uh, or just the opposite. Maybe that's why quality time has uh, risen uh, in terms of the latter of things too. Because like you said, spending time with you. I mean, I've often said, uh, well, we talk about love being a choice sometimes in this podcast, but I think that what goes along with that choice is your preferences in relationships and what you are attracted to changes. I've said to you before, I don't know if I've said it on a podcast, but there's like, you know, t different times in my life where there's different people that I was with and who I was with may have changed not only what I was physically attracted to, but also like personality wise, the things I looked for and, and what I was attracted to. Where is this going? The fact that <laughs> I have become around to join quality time more because I'm with you. I choose to be with you. Ah, I very sense. much love you. And therefore I am sort of adapting to that. Uh, and I think that starts to happen, especially with when you start using these. And this is where we're talking about, it's important for it to be used as a tool, not just saying like, okay, now I know my love language. Thanks. Great. Awesome. 
but what we have done in our relationship is try to do things to help the other person out with that. So like knowing that quality time is something that is important to you, mm-hmm. I make more of a point to realize that, okay, you need to go on trips and have my undivided attention uh, more often than I might naturally choose to give it. Uh, and so while it is not necessarily something that I enjoy, hey, me being there and um, b- being very present mentally as well is really the more important thing. And, th- and the same vice versa, uh, you know, at different times in our life. Lately, you've been doing uh, more of the chore things around the house without me asking. I can remember when I was studying for comps, I was so freaked out. And the thing I had to ask for from you because I was so stressed and so busy uh, was for you to take over a lot of the chores around the house. And that showed me so much love. Um, And I think that was before we were married, right? Wasn't comps before we got married? Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And just yesterday, I put away all the Christmas decorations by myself. Indeed. And did the, you feel loved? I, I really did. Good. Because <laughs> the fact that you did not have an you did you didn't keep asking for me to be like spending the time with you. You were just doing it. Uh, and you did not give me any kind of pressure to do the quality time. You sort of put aside your uh, love language because you went into this weekend saying you thought you you would like for us to 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 do that together. Uh, and I <laughs> expressed to you, I think, that I, I saw that more of a chore and not a fun quality time experience. And I guess you took that note and then therefore showed me a lot of love by doing that act of service for me. Yes. Yeah. And I was just working on my guns, too, because that was a lot of like lifting and going up and down the stairs. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. And that's why it like things that you don't normally love doing, but make me feel loved is like for example when i'm like can we wrap presents together i know you're like oh wrapping presents but to me that it's not about the gifts so i've learned from my love languages it's about the quality time of us just like doing an activity together yeah and i think that's part of why we've maybe struggled this year is there's less i shouldn't say less the types of activities that we have done that have been our quality time in the past uh become less available to us (laughs) that is true so, but that's, you know, that, that happens and we've tried to do our best to adjust things and, you know, find other ways to spend quality time. Yeah, I agree. And it's one thing I will say that we're working on, and maybe those of you in relationships, this is something you got to do too, is carving out that quality time because we're always, literally always together. Uh, so yeah, we don't go to work or anything. Well, we do go to work, but we work from home. We're always in the same space. So actually separating like, hey, this hour or this like dinner or this activity is intentional to be together, to be our quality time. When we're just hanging out like in the same room on the couch, on our phones, like that's not quality time. Yeah. And that's what I was saying uh, when you sort of said earlier, like, oh, just being with you. I'm like, oh, no, no, that's not enough. It's not enough to just be like next to the person. Uh, I think a lot of relationships uh, and I, you know, without throwing any anyone else under the bus so to speak in other relationships that we've seen uh but we know of specifically people uh that i can think of that, that their relationship crumbled because they would come home and they would watch tv together but they weren't really talking to each other they kind of like just ended their work days by being in the same room next to each other uh and and no real meaningful connection was happening and one of the people in that relationship definitely i think has quality time as one of their love languages mm-hmm. therefore they were feeling very unfulfilled um, and this is this is the other thing that I recommend again, trying not to tell you what to do, and we're not experts and listen to the book. Uh, but the book tells you, uh, you know, to, to be focusing on 
making sure that you are like actively participating in those things and, and gives examples like this uh, to really think about what quality time means, to really think about what physical touch means, to really think about what words of affirmation mean, and specifically what maybe even what words of affirmation mean to your partner. You know, we, we for a nice little lark earlier, you know, you, you complimented my physical appearance and, you know, maybe your partner doesn't give a crap about what their physical <laughs> appearance is, but, but words of affirmation can still be their love language. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they really want to hear about how smart they are, uh, or they want to hear about how awesome they are at something they're doing at work, or they just need to be, uh, you know, told, hey, you know, uh, the act of service you just did is really awesome, and it, and it really helped out my day, and they just need to hear that. Um, and so I'd encourage you listeners and, and movie lovers to think about that. Think about that in your relationships. Think about that in your, your any couplings that you have, or to Danny's point, think about that in terms of your friendships, your family members, and things of that nature, too. Yeah, even your family. That would be, yeah. And one other thing that I learned from this book that I forgot about till just now <laughs> that we used to say a lot, and maybe we can get back to that mm. is like, how's your love tank? Yes. Just asking your partner, how, how are they feeling right now in terms of love? And so you give a number between one and 10, my love tanks at a, a four. And you would say, I'm not saying that. I was about to say, hold up, pause. <laughs> we need to stop what we're doing right this now. If your love tank is actually at a four at this moment. No. Um, and just say like, okay, what can I do to fill your love tank? Yeah. You know, asking the other person what they need from you can really just help a lot. And I, I think that concept has helped us a lot, too, of saying, like, how you doing? Not good. What can I do to make it better? Yes. And I think that if anyone who's listening out there uh, is like me at all, the one thing you'll have to be cautious with, I know that I've struggled with, and maybe this is why we stopped doing it, but I, would, I like the idea. Hey, you're, you're hearing it all on the podcast live, everyone. We've already joked before about how this is our couples therapy session <laughs> as we just you know share it with the world. Uh, we'll probably start doing this a little bit more again. But I think the reason we stopped, or at least one of the reasons we stopped, is probably my problem that I have um, where it's, it's important to make the distinction between your love tank and your just sort of overall mood. Mm -hmm. Like how loved are you feeling by me right now is a very different question than what's your mood at? Like <laughs> how, how good are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. uh, because especially in our relationship, but me as a person in general, I think we, we, uh, I've struggled to sort of tie those things too closely together, uh, both in terms of how I plan and how I try to find happiness, but also in terms of like just being like letting my overall mood impact how loved I feel or how much love I am showing. Yeah. Yeah. So I would encourage you listener to be cautious when it comes to that as well. And sort of just think and make sure like, Hey, let's be sure that, you know, when I ask the love tank question, answering it, I stop and go, how loved am I feeling by this person? as opposed to, uh, you know, the, uh, anything else. Yeah. And I would say this year, I bet a lot of people's love tanks are not doing so hot. Yeah. So spread the love, spread the joy. We're going to be honest. We're recording this in 2021. We missed the ball on the December thing. Yeah. Like uh, we said, uh, podcast recording issues, things of that nature. Sorry. Uh, 2020 just had one more kick to give, but <laughs> the gift to you all is this month. Then instead you are, we are still planning to record our normal January end of the month, uh, episode. So you'll just get two episodes this month. Congratulations and, uh, happy, uh, new year gift to you. Yeah. And in the new year, what I was saying is, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what was I saying? Oh, Make it a, a, a choice to ask your friends and your family and your partner, like, how's your love tank and what can I do to fill it? Because I think that, not to get all like sappy and stuff, but by you filling others' love tank, 
you can feel just as loved, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying not to talk over you or just mansplain and repeat exactly the same thing you said. But one phenomena that I know that we have noticed, uh, and it is articulated again in the book, is um, I think all too often in any kind of relationship, we focus on our own needs not being met. Mm-hmm. And then we're waiting for the other person to meet our needs before we feel like we can respond by meeting theirs. And I think that you're right. You start meeting someone else's need and two things happen. One, you just innately feel, I think, a little bit of return on the joy. Mm -hmm. And two, they're going to be more likely to try to find ways to fill it for you. Yeah. And ask your friends and your loved ones what their love language is, because that's a, a very common mistake that I think I was doing a lot at the beginning. It's like trying to show you love through what my love language was and you weren't feeling it Yep. and vice versa. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, find yeah. out what their love language is and love them through it. Yeah. You'd show up with a gift <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, that's nice. Okay. Thank you. But you know, you doing something for me or you giving me words of affirmation even would sound better versus I'm like working myself the bone, stressing out about like doing all kinds of acts of service and nice things for you. And then you're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm not mad about that, Mm -hmm. but it's not like it's filling me up with all sorts of feeling of love and joy. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So Nick, I have a question for you. Uh Uh-oh. So hold on a second. That's all we have to talk about uh, love languages. But before we get on to our movie for the evening, uh, love actually, which I think those two things pair really well together. If you think about it, there's like the different ways of communicating love and there's different types of love. So what comes before that, Danielle? Hashtag closer through science. And Nick, let me tell you what closer through science is. Oh, you're going to tell instead of ask? It is a study that... um, this person did and they have a bunch of questions that two strangers asked each other and through the answering and asking these questions they became closer so we use these to get closer to each other and to our guests and i'm going to ask you our next one right now Ooh, exciting you ready i i as i'll ever be i guess okay it's a it's a pretty related question Ooh. uh what do you value most in a friendship what do I value most in a friendship? What do I value most in a friendship? Um, that's, that's like a interesting question. Yeah, I guess uh, being something I've been discovering about myself is I'm far more uh, maybe emotional person than I think uh, has been traditionally accepted in our society and, and maybe that I want to be or led on to be. So I guess I, I value most in a friendship, uh, a friend who, I'm going to kind of dovetail two things, uh, who allows me to show that emotion, accepts that emotion, and or expresses it back. Uh, and then also sort of, I guess, the second thing I, I, I value most is a friend who's kind of always there for you, even when you don't ask for it. I struggle to ask for help from anyone. Uh, and my best friends are the ones who have stuck with me through thick and thin and are there for me and oftentimes notice that something is up with me before I even notice it and, and, and do things to help me through it and address it. So yeah. that is, I guess, what I value most in a friendship. And as I, speaking of, like, I'm kind of holding back tears and trying know, not to get like, too emotional about this. He's welling up over <laughs> All right, well, that means we got to end this segment. Well, that is that then. And I guess that uh, that means that we can go ahead and get on to our with movie portion of the podcast where we will be discussing Danny's favorite movie. Oh my God, I can't. Nope, you'll see. <laughs> love Actually. All right, so stick through the plugs and then we will see you on the other side, movie lovers. In love with movies. Da-da-da. In love with movies. Da-da-da.
<laughs> and we're back. Welcome back, movie lovers. Hopefully that uh, little announcement wasn't too annoying for you. We are ready to talk about Love Actually. Oh, yeah. So ready. This is one of my favorite Christmas movies, uh, if we're going to label them as a Christmas movie. And Danielle, well, how do you feel about it in general? Boo. <laughs> yes. So Love Actually. Um, it came out in 2003. Indeed, indeed. It is two hours and 15 minutes long, which I'll talk about later. Okay. Um, and it is starring a heck ton of people. Yeah, there's a lot of folks in it. Uh, and the plot. Should I do a Danny Dingle? Uh, yes. Let's get our Danny's Dingle out of the way before we start talking about who's in this movie. Okay. Uh, I didn't even All right, put so it on the list. Insert. Did you not put Danny's Dingle no, on the I list? I forgot about that. Oh, part. my goodness. I, All right, listeners, we had a whole thing where Danny, Danny was going to list out the sections I of know, our podcast. said that at the beginning. Oh, I forgot about that. And, <laughs> and apparently she forgot Danny's Dingles. But the funny thing is we did that because the last attempt to record this half the section that we lost we did not do any of this in order because and we had danny's dingles like way later on okay so you ready for danny's dingles all right insert danny's dingle music here she won't scream and she won't shout she'll tell you what this movie's all about whether you're married or single time for danny's dingle uh london 20 different people relationships happiness sadness horrible people reality of life not a christmas movie a rock star secretaries uh brother alan rickman <laughs> a cute kid ends in a play the end all right so that's danny's dingle <laughs> listeners if you loved that make sure to follow us on our tiktok for yeah. other danny's dingles about movies uh that are not ones we do for the podcast but usually newer movies that we see those are always very entertaining as well so yeah, yeah. those are the tiktok tiki talkers out there the tiki tacks tiki tacks all right so let's let's go back to then to the the, the people who are in this movie yeah because okay. this is one that is it reminded me very much as we were watching it of our discussion about our last movie uh, Angels in the Outfield, uh -huh. because this movie is a murderer's row of people who are well-established in their careers and making a lot of major roles. And then on the other half, a bunch of people who were relatively early in their careers in 2003, who have since become like huge actors that everyone knows them for how talented they are. Yeah. So um, this was my, on my first glance, who I knew the names of. Okay. Kira Knightley, uh -huh. who is also the same person as Natalie Portman. Uh, okay. That's Agree to note. disagree. I said, how are Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman not the same? They are. Hugh Grant. That's a person. Who is also the same person as Colin Firth, who is also in this movie. Uh, I tend to agree with you, but we might have some British listeners that would disagree. No, they're the same person. Um, well, I already said Alan Rickman is in this movie. Brilliant. The em late, great Alan Rickman. Emma Thompson, uh -huh, who uh -huh. I know most from the parent trap i love that that's what you know <laughs> the lindsey lohan version the lindsey lohan version the only good version shut your mouth anyway um martin freeman who i know him as watson right yep yeah he's yeah. watson in, along with benedict cumberbatch and i think he's like a hobbit or something right he is uh, in fact the hobbit he is bilbo baggins in the hobbit oh bilbo, baggins. bilbo um then there is uh uh 
Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. He shows up. I did not even list him on here because he's more of a cameo in this movie. Yeah, but he's the same person as uh, Timothy Oliphant. Oh, I see. So you're only bringing up the people that you think are the same people as, as other actors. Yeah. And that's it. Those are the only people I knew. You know who I often confuse? Who? Uh, Laura Linney and who's in this movie. And oh man, I'm going to forget the other actress's name. I feel so terrible. She's in uh, Big Little Lies. She is. Nicole Kidman? No. Uh, she is uh, one of the other people in Big Little Lies. Reese She's, Witherspoon. She is most famous for Jurassic Park, actually. Oh, Laura. Oh. Laura, Laura Dern, Dern. Yes. Dern, yeah, Dern. Laura Dern. Thank Laura you. Laura Dern. She was also. Uh, General Haldo in uh, the least favorite Star Wars Jedi movie. Star yeah. Wars. Anyway, um, yeah, no. So I, I noticed all those people as well. And then we've got Bill Nye. Bill Nye. He opens it, and he is one of my favorite parts of this movie. He's he the is hilarious. Right? He is funny. Yeah. He's yes. Funny. Yes. Liam Neeson. I've got a special <laughs> set of skills. Yeah. I you literally forget him every time. I don't it's, know who. He, at the end, you're like, "Oh, Liam Neeson." Blah, blah blah. I was like, "What?" That's Liam Neeson. I've been watching Liam Neeson the whole time. I, I think don't know it's funny that is. you know the name Liam Neeson, but you don't know because Liam Neeson when you see him. I, I don't know what I'm I don't think do he that. talks like that, but I think the reason I know Liam Neeson is because he's like a big action dude or something, right? <laughs> well, he, he never was until oh. uh, he had a special set of skills. And as you a, have my daughter, I am coming for you. Anyways, as a comedian, you're supposed to know, like, you know pop culture so that you can make references to it so i know him as like a uh, that thing he's a joke because he's like at the age of 61 uh he started doing the taken films and then he i mean he kicks ass at it but he's like been in a bunch of other not as good uh action movies since then yeah yes. but he's kind of he started sort of a whole renaissance of like older dudes doing action movies isn't he star wars something too he is qui-gon Jinn. with the ponytail yes in the very uh, episode long one. long hair half uh -huh. ponytail um yes I don't know. I, I guess half ponytail. <laughs> we'll see. I'll I'll Google him. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. <laughs> the, it's a quote of Liam Neeson. Do you remember it for Wars. any particular reason? Does it resonate with you, Nick? I spec. <laughs> no, Jar Jar. Okay. That's, that, that, listeners, there are some of you out there. Please add us on social media and tell me that I am not so crazy. You know exactly the scenes that I am referring to when I refer to I spec and the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Okay. Who else is in this movie? Uh, Ewan McGregor is not in this movie, uh, even though he could be because he's British. Uh, let's see. We already mentioned Laura Linney, uh, Colin Firth, Alan Rickman. Okay, so the the sort of lesser names then: Martin Freeman, Keira Knightley, uh, Chiatwil Ejiofor, who's not, and I, I'm probably butchering his name. I should know it by now. Uh, he was brilliant in Twelve Years a Slave, uh, but he was in this as the the cuckolded or uh, emotionally cuckolded guy. Cuckolded. Do we need to go through the definition of cuckold? Listeners, go ahead and Google cuckold. <laughs> See how that goes for you. Anyway, so he's the guy who Kira Knightley is married to, who then Andrew Lincoln mm -hmm. plays the friend who most mm -hmm. listeners will probably, she is literally rolling her eyes at me right now. Listeners will probably know Andrew Lincoln because he plays, uh, he plays Rick on The Walking Dead. Coral! Okay. Coral, no what's more. going on with your mom? Coral. Stop with the impressions. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then this one really blew your mind the first time we recorded this. Thomas Brody Sangster. Yeah, Do you remember knows. who that is? No. Do you remember who? So the little kid is Tommy Brody Sangster. Okay. Do you remember why it blew your mind the last time? Is your memory this bad? 
though. It's because he's in Queen's Gambit. He is in Queen's Gambit. He's the cowboy hat guy. Listeners who may have listened or watched that very popular uh, Netflix series recently, he's the cowboy chess playing guy. He is also the young child in this movie who I, I include him on this list because at age 11 or whatever he was when this was filmed, he is he. he he has no right being as good of an actor as he is. He is the best actor in the whole he movie. He crushes it. I like, honestly think. The scene, we talked about this, the scene in the in the, the end, spoilers, obviously, everyone knows that, uh, when he's in the, the, the play or whatever, and there's the musical performance, and there's mm-hmm. that, like, she looks at him when she says, I, you know, all I want for Christmas is you, and he's like, the excitement on his face, and then she turns to someone else and points also, and you, and then he's like, and like, there's so much conveyed in his change from elation to disappointment uh and anger and I just and it's very complex too. yeah he did a really good job and he looks exactly the same in queen's gambit too. yeah pretty much just basically like paint on some wispy uh facial hair and, and then, then it's the same guy cowboy hair. yeah <laughs> <laughs> who else uh that was that was all i had on my list although there is the the sexy annoying uh americans who have all become pretty well-known actresses as well january jones uh, and Alicia Cuthbert. I can't remember if Alicia Cuthbert. And Denise Richards. And Denise Richards, but that comes later on, as well as Shannon Elizabeth. And we talked about this. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth and Denise Richards are actually like a sort of last second reveal. They were like hidden from you, even in the little uh, shadowy threesome scene that they showed, because they're supposed to be like the hottest of the hottest of the hottest. Surprise, surprise that anybody be attracted to this old, uh, this, this gross European dude. Um, but it's because in 2003, they would have been considered to be like the hottest of the hottest of the hottest. Uh, and now people like, don't even know who they are. Great. Okay. So like, <laughs> what is your love story with this movie? Oh man. I for- totally forgot that that's a thing we were supposed to do. Um, so my love story with this movie is I, I didn't see it in theaters or anything like that. I do remember seeing previews and things of that nature. Uh, I know that I would have caught it on either Showtime or HBO, something like that. Uh, if you listen to this podcast long enough, you will see that that's how I see a lot of my movies early on because my parents had those things and I used to hate commercials. So I would watch movies instead. So I caught this like midway through uh, and then found that I really enjoyed it, intentionally watched it at least one more time. And then at some point in the future, I also remember having a distinct memory where I watched it with my dad. And it was one of the few times that my dad and I connected about movies. Um, and I think that's maybe why I like it is there's been complex emotions to with my dad but I really like this movie because it shows the different kinds of love and it genuinely does that it from the beginning of this movie it perfectly bookends uh in Heathrow Airport beginning and end and we've got a a voiceover from Hugh Grant where you know he's talking about the name of the movie love actually is all around which I first off think is also a very important message uh in our current times that we should try to remember those things that love actually is all around us right now um but it, it, it's displaying in that movie that love is not what we always think of love is not the romantic love that you and I talk about so frequently on this podcast it's not even necessarily just familial love it's it's friendships it's there's so many great examples of uh friends love uh co-workers um there's love early on in relationships in the beginning there's puppy love there's love between a father and son there's love kitten love i don't believe there's any kitten love in this oh i just meant in general i love cats so is this still your love story i mean i thought it was until you uh (laughs) decided to derail me a little bit um only fair 
turnabout's fair play uh yeah no i i I love this movie and that's my love story with it is i am i I identify with it because of it displays so many different versions and one thing i was thinking about in preparation for this podcast is i think maybe i used to like uh rom-coms i remember liking like you've got mail and some other rom-coms and it wasn't really broadly accepted for a guy to kind of be into those things. And this, I think made it maybe a little bit more acceptable, or at least I thought it did because it was different kinds of love. And it wasn't just that like, Oh dude, you like movies about romance, dude. Um, although it was probably even cornier, but that's neither here nor there. Your love story with this movie is not as flattering, but I will give this caveat to the listeners. Mm-hmm. Danny saw other movies very similar to this one before she saw Love Actually. Yeah, I think at New Year's Eve, right? There's, oh no, Valentine's Day came out before New Year's Eve. I've never, oops, never seen New Year's Eve. I've only seen Valentine's Day. I literally can't keep track of which ones are actually movies that have been made there and then which ones are spoofs that I've There's seen. There's no like, spoofs. They're all very serious. Um, no, I mean, like, I've seen, uh, I think it was... 30 Rock did like a Mother's Day or something like that spoof. Like there's been like it has become so familiar as a trope, this type of movie that is done by the same creators. And I I should have written down who the director was. It's just a bunch of famous people in semi-related stories. Yes. That I should have put in my Danny's Dinkle because that's all it is. It's And then I think that's one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan. Whoa. <laughs> Come at me, bros, um, of this movie. I, a lot of I love had, actually bros out there. Just they're, they're as bad as the Bernie bros. Seriously. Um, and I had never seen this movie, never crossed my plate until I met Nicholas. And he's like, this is my favorite Christmas movie. And I was like, okay. I made him watch my favorite Christmas movie, which is Christmas uh. Vacation, which he's not a huge fan of, which is wrong. And so uh, he watched this movie. Ooh, that makes me want to like it make people vote on twitter Ooh, yes okay uh I, I everyone on twitter i want you to at in love with movies this is how we're gonna do it and i will count up the hashtags before our next episode hashtag love actually yes or hashtag christmas vacation yes okay we shall see and again i want to know who wins um and so i saw this movie with nick and i think it was like the first year we were dating so i was trying to still be like yeah she basically she pretended she was into the same things that i was into yeah i don't like anything that you like i like star wars i like star wars um i have it tattooed on my dang body man uh anyway so i saw it with nick the first time then i thought "Hmm, okay then i saw it again i think a couple years later because you're like we watch love actually i was like okay and then this i think re-watching it for this podcast this was the third time watching it my opinions have not really changed. <laughs> it's it's a two hour, 15 minute movie that is just two hours and 15 minutes too long. I will say the one thing that I, I we talked about this while we were watching it. I do feel the length more than I remember, like from when I used to enjoy this movie regularly. And I think that maybe that's because like, I used to just watch it piece by piece. Like it, it would be on and you would just like catch a couple of, of scenes of it. And it's yeah. one of those movies that lends itself to that with the disparate storylines and things of that nature. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. There are some like, enjoyable moments in this movie there's some like cute moments and heartwarming moments but a lot of it's depressing and too real for me and as y'all know movie lovers if you uh listen to this podcast i watch movies to escape reality so i don't want to be reminded that like love can suck and love hurts so whereas i like to watch movies because (laughs) they make me actually feel real life emotions and experience uh, them like works of art yes 
So uh, along that line, though, Nick, I did rank all of the couples. Oh, that's right. I forgot you did that. Let's let's. So one thing we talked about is there's lots of different sort of stories, not even couples per se. Yeah. Uh, but there's uh, most of them feel pure. They feel good. But they also display because love is not always pure and good. There's sad. There's bad. There's lust filled love that can be sort of silly and fun to laugh at like the uh the british man going to america to have sex uh and then there's the bad sad that can be lustful that is is just like wrong like the uh you know the the man who has starts an emotional affair with his secretary who is uh, a little forceful which we'll probably talk about later uh before his wife uh calls him out on it luckily early on and wises him up so rank your order of the storylines danielle Okay, so from what I can count, there are nine different storylines, which is, again, that's why the movie is so dang long. Ugh. Nine different storylines. Um, and you gotta, so- You gotta have that flavor. You gotta have the different little, different different points in your life. You, you okay. relate to different okay. uh, storylines. Okay, continue. All right, so then there's a line. There's people who are above the line that I thought were, I was like, okay, I, I, I like this. People who are below the line who I'm like, don't put this in a movie that I wanna watch. So starting from the worst. Oh, we're gonna go all the way from the worst first? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna go upwards. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to make this. What positive. was the worst couple? That, well, I guess it's not a couple. That stupid British guy who his only okay, they're all British, sorry, <laughs> but the ugly British guy whose only thing is like I'd be super hot in America. American girls would throw themselves at me. So then he goes to America and has the colon. The colon has a large knob. Yeah, whatever. It's so <laughs> stupid, and they make Americans look like idiots, and like every woman who. First of all, he goes to the middle of no, or no, he doesn't go to the middle of nowhere. Wisconsin, he goes to Milwaukee, Wisconsin babes. Yeah, so he like okay, every woman in Wisconsin is Denise Richards looking. No, and then they're gonna throw themselves at a British hey, guy. No shade at people in Wisconsin. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying they just make Americans look stupid, and it's a stupid storyline. So that's I hate that one. I truly hate it. I will say they they definitely make Americans look slutty, which is maybe especially problematic. I don't have as much of a problem with them making Americans look stupid because they do the same thing with Billy Bob Thornton. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Then my next one is the, um, I truly despise the Kira Knightley love triangle with the guy that she just married. And then the guy that she just married's best friend who's been in love with her the whole time, but never tells her. And then sorry, y'all most iconic moment of the movie where he shows up at her door with a boom box and then giant index card saying, say it's Carolers and then professes his love to her. I think it's horrible because he's a little weak puss puss. Whoa, whoa. I don't think we should be hating on him because he's a puss puss. <laughs> I, I think we should be hating on the guy because like, okay, so this moment, and this is why people, I think, for, I think the fact that this has become an iconic like love moment, it's it's like holding the boom box above your head, which actually, if you go back and, and listen or watch the movie, say anything, he, uh, John Cusack's kind of a stalker in that. So it's funny to me that these like, professions of love uh are there creepy people yeah we figure out later that these that these behaviors are actually not okay so it's this like cute sweet thing that he's doing to pursue her it's not the problem that he's doing it that if it were to some single woman that for some other reason he had struggled to to express his love to he was just doing it great it is the it is a problem because she just married his best friend yes yeah <laughs> like <laughs> and he's like a photographer cinematographer guy who like only takes videos of her like close-up picture or yeah. videos of her on her wedding day and then the worst part is 
she goes after him and kisses him. Yeah. You just married his best friend. Yeah. Gosh, it just makes these are, me so these are angry. Both terrible human beings. Yeah. I just don't I don't like it. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. Okay, next. Um Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson, beautiful actors and actresses, nothing against them. And maybe this is why I despise them so much because they're doing such a good job of acting, but I hate that relationship. Alan Rickman has been married to Emma Thompson for probably what, 20 years. And then he's like starting to, like you were saying earlier, form an emotional relationship with his secretary who truly just straight up opens her legs at him in like the middle literally of, in the office <laughs> like not not even metaphorically like literally yeah she nasty yeah see i i could see maybe not liking that storyline because you don't like uh where it is you don't like where it goes i personally i bump on the idea that like you don't like their relationship specifically um i i could you know the storyline is one thing i think they seem to me like an example of a committed relationship who are maybe a little bit tired and maybe they just need to, you know, read five love languages together <laughs> and figure out how to express their love for each other. I mean, it seems pretty obvious that he's kind of a moment, a bit of an Eeyore. It's like, he doesn't even know what to do when this very aggressive sexual woman, his secretary is coming after him because he's kind of like, I, uh, I just kind of always do what I'm told or, you know, I'm kind of just coasting through life mm -hmm. right now. And she's clearly the one who's like, actually raising their kids uh you know is connected with with other human beings um and you know has some deeper soul to her he's just kind it's also of also the sister of the prime minister yep yep <laughs> yep that was the connection that happened there yeah. um so anyway but you and i i think we it may be difficult to re uh rebuild the the conversation we had the first time we recorded on this but I think that there's a hope there that then therefore gives me hope as well. I disagree with you about your negativity towards this relationship because I think it ends on a hopeful note. I think it would have been bad if they just showed him actually having an affair. And I think there maybe is almost some implication here, but when you think about the timelines of it, I think really all that happened is like, he did not know how to take this woman flirting with him. She very clearly said, I want a gift. He's like, I, uh, uh, I guess. And like, kind of, uh, you know, felt uncomfortable about that, but was like not terribly happy in his marriage, didn't know how to share that with his wife, and therefore stupidly bought the gift. And I think that's all it was. I think that she then, I love, love the scene. And speaking of good acting, like this is why they gave these two people this role mm -hmm. to carry it, where she stops him at the play. And there's like just this beauty too of like going back and forth where she's like having this very serious conversation with him. And then somebody comes to say goodbye and she's like, oh, hi. Have a happy Merry Christmas, and, and then like goes right back into the conversation with him, mm -hmm. and she's saying like, and I think the, it's the beauty she says, you know, is this a gift? Is it a gift in sex, or is it worst of all a gift and love? And like I like to think that they don't show all of it because that's not what this movie is necessarily about. If you get these little snippets, is what this movie is about. But I like to think that those people have a conversation. Uh, he shares with her that it was just a gift, that it was certainly too soon for love. There's no real love there, uh, that he has not slept with her or anything like that. And that those two, uh, you know, manage to find their relationship again. I think that there's that tension when he comes back at the end of the airport and there's sort of that knowing look where she, he's like, how are you? And she goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it's sort of like, I'm fine. Like, let's not try to get into this right now. Uh, yeah. And I think that he probably uh, redistributed, to use Hugh Grant's word, redistributed that uh, particular secretary. 
Okay. That's nice that you put all that little positive spin on that. I think it's a truly tragic story and it shows how, sorry, Nick, but like a lot of men can be real shitty. Yes. And like, he just gives into the pressure of a young, sexy woman, yep. even though he has a, a, a wife and kids and gives this secretary a gold necklace and puts his wife at the wayside. Like she would have loved a necklace. And that's, Clearly. that's the whole point of the relationship or the story is like, he doesn't know what she actually wants or what she needs. So. So we are going to gift them Gary Chapman's uh, five love languages <laughs> and they will be better in a year. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, then my last one below the line. So I actually have more above the line than below is the woman with the brother who has oh, okay. like, excuse me. I drink a lot of liquid, so I'm burping a lot. Um, she Just, uh, right in the microphone is an American woman who came over here clearly for like parents came over here for work and both the parents are gone and she has to take care of her brother who is in a, in a home. He's got a lot of mental health issues and I don't like it because it's, it, it's too good. Again, it, it's written. Well, it's too believable that this woman has been in love with this sexy man at her office for two years. And this guy has also been in love with her. They finally start to get something going and then she blows it by like, having to put everything into her relationship with her brother. And it's just so tragic again to me that she doesn't take any time for herself. Like she should set some boundaries with her brother and say, like, he's clearly mentally unstable. He tries to hurt her sometimes. Like it's just not good. Um, and so she needs to do what's best for her and say like, Hey, I still love you brother, no matter what, but I'm going to also take care of myself and fall in love with this sexy Greek guy that is <laughs> at my office. Uh, yeah, L uh, listeners may know that actor who Laura Lenny gets it on with briefly from uh, Westworld. He has been in that more recently. Uh, I I'm glad that you accepted that because I was going to this one in particular. I was like, how can you put this below the list? So I like that you articulated that basically what it boils down to is these ones that are below the list are too real for you. Because yeah. I think the only one that's not remotely that realistic is the very one at the bottom, the, yeah, the sex craze guy. Um, but I think all the others are very real. Uh, and I, and so I understand if it's just like, you don't like necessarily engaging with negative emotions because you view movies as an escape. Exactly. So then to go above the line, I'll do this quicker because. Because they're awesome. Um, and I talk too much and interrupt you. The rock star. He's just hilarious. Oh, he's, his... he's way higher than this. He's like not in the middle. He is up at the top for me. Well, I like that is he's got friendship love and he's very, very funny. And he brings a lot of levity to the movie and also that banger christmas is all around us come on and let it snow yeah that's a good it's a good love is all around us it's a good earworm um okay then the dad everywhere i go the dad and his stepson yep and i'm liam neeson yeah that guy. his kid does not get taken in this <laughs> he does not have to use a special set of skills and i always forget that they make it not about the death of his wife at the beginning or toward throughout the movie, which I'm glad because the beginning is so sad where he literally is like giving the eulogy at his wife's funeral. And I love that even that, and I'm glad that it's like you said, it's not necessarily focused on that because I think it would be too much to deal with. Yeah. But it is still like they use that opportunity to show yet another kind of love. This movie is showing you how love is all actually all around you. It's just like I tell my students, IO psychology is in every movie. It's in every relationship. It's in every workplace that they see. Love is actually also all around us. It's there all the time. 
uh, because it takes all kinds of forms. And in type, in this case, it's, you know, like love lost. And like the, you can just like in that eulogy scene, that funeral scene alone, they communicate very effectively, in my opinion, how deep, <laughs> you got to stop hitting the mic. You're doing it a lot today. Uh, they communicate very well how that relationship was, even though you never see his wife. Like you can just sense that they had a very deep relationship with how they've done that. It's sad. But his storyline is not about love of a spouse. It's love of a child, a father's son. And then I didn't realize till like towards the end that that's not even his son. That's his stepson, yep. which I think makes it even cuter because he's just, I don't know. They have such a great relationship and he's trying to help his son find love because he is in love with an American girl who's flying back to America on Christmas Eve or whatever. Levels upon levels upon levels. And for someone who doesn't like this movie, you got a lot of good things to say about it. Okay, so next I love, I don't love everything about this movie. I like the Prime Minister and his catering director. I think that's what they give her the title of. <laughs> yeah, Director of Catering. So she basically she serves some tea. Um, the Prime Minister played by Hugh Grant. I think he does a really good job in this role. He makes it very, like, believable, and it's just cute. And I like that he's a gentleman about it. He's fallen in love with this woman that works for him, and instead of doing what Alan Rickman did, uh-huh. he fires her. Yeah, and he doesn't even have, like, a marriage to worry about. He just recognizes that, like, hey, this workplace relationship is probably not appropriate because there is a power dynamic here that I will never be able to piece apart. And in and, and, and being a gentleman, then she like sends that Christmas card that prompts him to then chase down after her for the like, you know, exciting, uh, loving ending. But I agree with you. Like it's, yeah, they, they show, I think effectively, and this is another like similar type of relationship between him and the secretary or whatever, uh, for Alan Rickman but like one is a very pure mm-hmm. sort of innocent version of that and like truly is good and then the other one is like bad and notice one of those two things is a good thing that then therefore wins out at the end and the other one is uh, you know pushed away by the the marriage relationship I'm just saying mm-hmm. um, yeah. a couple of problems with that relationship though they constantly call this woman fat but is that a movie. problem with that relationship well that's the problem with the movie okay it's, she's got chubby cheeks because she's adorable but she is uh, like three sizes smaller than I am. Yeah, because Hugh Grant keeps constantly being like, ooh, what do we call her chubby? They keep saying she has thick thighs yeah. and like, it's just, that's Bullshit. very frustrating. Woman is beautiful. She is very beautiful. Um, and then also they have to bring in the American problem with this relationship where they bring in Billy Bob Thornton as the president. They make him look like a total dick. And that he like came on to her, but still called her fat or something. I don't know. Uh, I long for the days when uh, George W. Bush was the president that we were worried about and making fun of. Anyway. Yeah. So, again, they make Americans look stupid, which I'm sure we make other countries look stupid constantly. We make ourselves look stupid. Okay. Final two. The uh, Martin Freeman and the blonde girl who meet because they're like body doubles, I think, for movies. And they like have to fake have sex. But then they actually like end up liking each other. I think that's cute. Yeah, the fact that they like another innocent one that I love the juxtaposition of what this movie does because there are layers to this movie. And yes, New Year's Eve and a lot of the others suck because they forgot about the beauty of what this movie was. And they thought that the secret was just throwing a bunch of celebrities into a movie together. And that is not what the secret of this movie was. The secret of this movie was depth and layers. (laughs) And one of the depth and layers to this is like one of the most innocent relationships that start that we see start from the beginning in this movie is two people who literally the first time they meet each other have to immediately strip down naked and then like are having a conversation with no clothes on yeah and i'm not a huge fan of like the graphic nature of 
a lot of it. I thought it could have been much more graphic than it was. Well, still, it's awkward for me. And as a, a raised Catholic. You, oh, no, not boobies. You can't see the boobies. No boobies. Um, and then my favorite relationship of them all is the other Hugh Grant, a.k.a. Colin Firth, <laughs> uh, who falls in love with uh, a maid. I'm not entirely sure what she does, but basically like a housekeeper. Yeah. And he's the one that I think you see at first at the beginning of the movie where he's saying goodbye to his wife and she fakes sick to not go to a wedding with him. And you can tell from the beginning that like he truly loves her. He's like, I love you. And she goes, okay, goodbye. Like you're going to be late. And then he comes home to find his own brother sleeping with his wife. So then he's very sad, goes off to write a book in the countryside and then somehow ends up with a Portuguese housekeeper. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like he tries to speak italian or french no i think he's probably trying to speak french because i think he goes somewhere in france and the woman who like introduces him to her has a french accent and then he tries to speak french to her and then she's like don't worry she doesn't speak french she's portuguese so she doesn't speak french just like you or something like that because he's he's clearly terrible at like either portuguese or french yeah and it is a very adorable story because they don't speak each other's language at all yet the whole movie they're communicating the same thing and I love that it just shows that you can, like, fall in love. Sorry, burps. Um, <laughs> fall in love without having, like, communication is more than words. That's what I'm trying to say. Even though they didn't speak each other's languages, they clearly spoke each other's love languages. Okay. <laughs> and then they have to, unfortunately, the summer ends and they go their separate ways and he can't stop thinking about her and she can't stop thinking about him. And the adorable thing is they learn each other's languages for it just in case That's just in cute. case they ever That's run into cute. each other again. well he yeah he learns it because he's like got this whole plan to track her down but i yeah. think it's adorable when he gets there and she like answers him in english and she's like i learned just in case just in case it's a very cute very sweet movie like i get not movie oh you get goosebumps because i just think that it's the power of like really human connection it doesn't have to have words and i think i'm biased because i really like languages and like my minor was in Spanish and, you know, I lived in a different country and it, I made such great relationships with people who we both didn't speak the same language, but we were able to just connect on just being humans. I don't know. So it's just, it's a very sweet love, uh, love story. See, now you're making the case for why this is such an amazing movie. It is a little long, but that's because in order to have different enough stories that there's something in it for everyone. You identified most with those stories. There's other people who watch this movie and identify with other stories. And that's the beauty of the movie. You literally have goosebumps from how awesome this love story is for you. And you still uh, say you hate it. Oh my God. You, okay. just, you just wish you could have like a 38 minute long movie that is just the two of them. Uh, no, I said anyone above the line. Get oh, rid okay. of the tragic Sorry. people and the stupid boy. All right. So listeners who might have editing skills out there, if you want to give Danny her perfect movie <laughs> i want you to make no. a movie that is love actually is shorter and what you do is you watch this movie and you edit out everything below danny's line and then i will get to have the joy every year because she will actually watch it with me and i will actually get to watch at least some of love actually I will just have to do it without some of the, the pieces that she doesn't like. And this, by the way, would never be my perfect movie because Justin Timberlake isn't in it. <laughs> Dang it. All right. So somebody also reshoot this with Justin Timberlake. Uh, As all of the men. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything was, else you wanted to say about, I mean, that was my, that, 
I went through the whole movie because that's all it is, is relationships. I mean, it is all those things. I think I, I chimed in with sort of all of my stuff. I really, really like Bill, Bill Nay. I really like the kid. Um, I love the, I love there's this line by the kid. He says, the total agony of being in love. <laughs> and like, I obviously don't really think love is agony right now, but it can be. <laughs> Or is it going to be in our future? Who uh, knows? No, I mean, like, when you're young, I feel like, because we, we talked about fear of love recently, fear mm -hmm. of being in love while you're in it, fear of finding love. I think love can feel like agony mm -hmm. uh, at different times. And, and if you are truly, hopelessly over the hills in love, and if that's not uh, returned, that is agony. Like, yeah. that, that is terrible. And so I just, that kid is, like, more spot on than, than he realizes. Mm -hmm. Um, all the different displayed loves, love that there's the climax, uh, where everybody kind of like you kind of still have the like stereotypical rom com, but it's just like the stereotypical rom com where scene. We're all like, at the play together. Yeah, we're all at the play together. We're rushing together. There's the guy rushing uh, in, in Portugal. Uh, there's you know the Hugh Grant rushing for finding her. There's the kid. Oh, I love the the kid ends up being the one who they like still do the like rushing through an airport scene, but because this movie also obviously is pointing out everything that was the world right after 9-11-2001 only a child would be able to have like not be tackled and harmed <laughs> if they went running through an airport security fence uh yeah so I love that they managed to find a way to do that uh music is cool this is a really great uh uh uh, uh, uh what you call it soundtrack that's the word I was looking uh, for yeah I fun fact I took a a holiday peloton ride from a British instructor, instructor, and she used two Love Actually songs. Yeah, it's it's an awesome soundtrack. Uh, and then I think the only thing was also the the fun get of like Claudia Schiffer, because Liam Neeson says, you know, to the boy, I'd only go for someone if she was Claudia Schiffer. Like he kind of makes a joke of like, oh, you know, I will never fall in love again unless it's Claudia Schiffer. And then the person who plays the sort of love interest of a mother of some other kid at the school is literally Claudia Schiffer. None of that registered with me. I know that's because you don't know who Claudia Schiffer is. Um, I don't know who Liam Neeson is either. Yeah, the only other thing was this movie is kind of like what introduced me to uh, the song uh, "All I Want for Christmas." Love is oh that one. That's weird. I, I don't know when Mariah Carey made it famous. I don't even know that she's the first one who sang it, but I definitely was not aware of this song until this movie. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Love is all around us. <laughs> all right danny so would you renew your vows to this movie no <laughs> i really y'all could come at me for real i just it's not something i need to watch again i'm sorry <laughs> and it's not a christmas movie i am willing to accept that it is barely tangentially a christmas movie which again though i think goes to why the things that the like lessons that studios and or directors learned from this movie they were like oh it's great when you get a bunch of celebrities to play a bunch of intersecting roles and they kind of loosely go around a holiday yeah. let's do that from now on valentine's day new year's eve yeah. like no the beauty of this movie had nothing to do with christmas christmas was like just coincidentally the time of year that was happening yeah so no sorry would you renew your vows i would okay I'm sure I'm like going to have to watch lot. it again. Some point in the future, we will watch it. I'll give you a couple of years before I make you do it again. I am going to make our children love this someday in the future. I don't know how, but uh, yeah, it'll have to be after they're allowed to see boobs. <laughs>
Okay. Um, and how many hearts would you give it out of five? There are parts of this movie. This is to me like movie lit lovers. If you haven't caught on pretty much a, a like perfect movie in my eyes in many ways. Uh, it's a little long. And there are some elements that did not age entirely well. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to give it like a 4.25 out of 5. That's kind of low. I can't remember. What did I say last time? Did I say 4.5 last time? No, you said 4.25, I think, but still. You were surprised by how high it was last time. Well, I just think my favorite movies, I'm always like, 10,000. I mean, I'm trying to be reasonable. Yeah, you're the academic here. Um, I de like, if, an, if I can't give it five, I, I mean, I probably, it's probably, a, it's probably like a 90%. It's not, it's not a hundred. So yeah, I guess it's 4.5 then. Okay. I'm gonna give it a 3.5 because, Oof. because Oof. that was higher than what I probably would have given it before, but I can uh, recognize that there are some redeeming qualities of this movie. All right. Slowly but surely, we will work on her cinematic education and she will recognize the beauty of films that are, come from even movies that you don't like the topics of. No, no, I will not. I will not keep wasting precious time of my life on things I don't like. Hey, at least John Bronco was only 38 minutes. Yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> John Bronco! All right, well, I think that's everything, is it not, Danny? That's all I got on the list, but clearly I missed things. So, um, yeah. So let us know, movie lovers, what you thought. Add us on our social medias. Those plugs are going to be coming uh, presently. Yeah, Bruno, come at me. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any plugs, Danny? No, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on break right now for um, the comedies. Improv. Yeah, I just did a 24-hour comedy-a-thon, and it was great. But I wait until February, and I'll be back. If you do want to see that, you can uh, go find uh, Comedy Sports Chicago on Twitch, mm -hmm. and you can scroll through to find the sections that are Danny. There was some really great content there, but it's 24 hours, so it's a lot to get through. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and with that, I love you, Nick. I love you, Danny. Bye-bye. Uh, we love you, movie lovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love you. All right. We love you, listeners. Take care, and we will see you later on this month. I'm hungry. Love is all around us. Follow us on Twitter at the letter N, love with movies, on Facebook at facebook.com slash with movies and love, and on Instagram and TikTok at in love underscore with movies. You can email us at with movies in love, that's all one word, with movies in love at gmail.com. To share your own love stories with us, suggest future love topics that you might want to hear us discuss, or just to say, hey, we'd like to hear from you. Hey. All original music written and performed by Danny Smith with our theme song remixed by Paul Brandt. And this whole podcast was produced and edited by my lovely husband, Nicholas Baldwin. And special thanks to Nick Stretchberry for our website and podcast art. We did it!